Come on in. Come on in. Please, for goodness sake, pull up that chair. Uh, be welcome. Be welcome here. Why? Well, this is Jefferson Avenue Way Station. You, you didn't ask why. I'm telling you why. That's okay. What's your name? You don't have to tell me. It's okay. It's all right. You're, look at you. You're fidgeting about. You're, you're anxious. Listen. Listen. Look at this. Look at your surroundings. The brown wooden floorboards. The, you know, the brown wallpaper. My brown shirt. Everything in here is brown. Isn't that somewhat calming? Isn't that... Doesn't that... Uh, hmm. Doesn't that belie a sort of organic motif? And that, that's why I chose this. Well, I didn't really choose this. Everything in here is brown because, well... This, this place has actually been a, uh, an establishment that sold alcoholic beverages for a long time. A very long time. I can't even really pinpoint the date in which that began, but it definitely was uh, back in the day when you could smoke indoors, and that's why everything's brown. I probably should peel off this old wallpaper. It's kind of, it's, uh, it's lifting up at the corners a bit, but I like it. It's been, it's been dyed by airborne aerosol uh, tar particles, and not just tar, but bits of mucus from people's lungs and throats as they exhaled the smoke. They, uh, they actually shed some of their living tissue, which I'm guessing probably quickly died in the air. They shed that tissue and left a little bit of themselves on the wall, as if they had been uh, hit by, like, a Star Trek phaser of some sort and left a little residue of themselves. But uh, there, there, you don't realize it, but there are hundreds of people in this room right now with you. And they're all dead. Well, I mean, I'm not dead, and I don't think you're dead. You could be a ghost, but I, I'm not sure. But they are all dead because it's been a very long time. They've lived out their lives. They've probably been fired from their jobs or laid off or I, I like to think maybe some of them retired with a with a good pension and a, a good amount saved and then they faced death alone you said well presumably some of these people had families yes they did but then those families left the room for a moment and then seeing that their grandchildren and, and their kids uh, were arguing in the other room about inheritance, they saw it to be a good time to uh, just go away. And they did. They went away. They saw that as their permission. It, you never want to really say goodbye to everybody when they're in the same room. You, you want to leave the party at a low note. That's that's how I do it. When I, I I leave a party usually when nobody's talking to me. I say this uh, I'm just holding my beverage here and it's it's half empty. And that's how I look at it at the moment. I 
I have a pessimistic viewpoint about it. I look at this half-empty drink. It's, it's probably a beverage that I wouldn't normally drink by myself. This is one that I'd drink in people's company. And uh, I went to this party because I anticipated having to speak quite a bit and hurting my throat. But you know, good news, I'm going home with a, with a healthy-feeling throat, having not spoken to a great many people. And I think, well, it's time for me to drain my glass into a, into a potted plant, potentially killing it, potentially nourishing it with sugar and water. And then I leave without saying goodbye. And since I haven't spoken to anybody, nobody misses me. That sounds sad. I understand that sounds sad, but is it sad? I wanted to leave. I, the reason I wasn't speaking to a lot of people is because I didn't feel very social. I wasn't bridging the gap. And people didn't want to speak to me either. They, were, they, were not, they weren't adamantly opposed to my presence or me speaking to them. But they, weren't, they didn't go to that party for the purpose of speaking to me. And then I'm gone. And now I stand here speaking about half-empty drinks and such, and you haven't even had a full drink. You haven't even been given a full glass. Well, I'll have to... Oof. I'm never prepared for customers. <laughs> Pardon me, I'll, have to, I'll be right back with the uh, thing. You just sit there, uh, keep yourself comfortable. It might be a moment here. Uh, I'll have to get this thing right. Okay, I'm back. There we are. Okay, so sometimes I have to jam this thing in to make it work. There we are. Just going to put that down there. Here you go. Enjoy. Don't mind that there's white bubbles on top. That's not uh, soap from when I washed the glass. That's uh, that's bubbles from the beer. It's a, it's a slightly carbonated beverage. Not as effervescent as most beers you'd have. No, this is... Uh, this has been allowed to ferment a great deal with the airlock on, with the uh, with the one-way airlock in place. Why has that been done? Well, it's a process that was invented by the Irish, and they uh, they actually didn't have airlocks at all. They needed to just put a slat over their the the barrel and kind of let air just hiss out slowly. And they would do this until the pressure would be mostly equalized with the room. And then they'd seal it shut. So that there'd be just a, so that the yeast was still alive. The yeast was still eating the grain. A little bit. Just a tiny bit. It was a remnant. The tiny bit of survivors in the yeast population. And then they close that off and kill the last remnants. And there you have you just you have a slightly effervescent beer. And what do you do? Do you serve that chilled? No. You serve it the way I'm serving it right here. Look down there. That's that's the barrel right there, that steel barrel. That's the one that has the beer in it. It's not in a refrigerator. People say it should be in a refrigerator, but it's kind of cold outside, isn't it? Why, why do you want a cold beer? No, you want a room temperature beer. I mean, a room, room temperature beer is already slightly colder than your bodily temperature. So you're already lowering your bodily temperature a little bit by eating that. Uh, well, maybe not. Not really. Not really. Your body tends to compensate 
quite a bit for the things you put into it. And any sort of food or beverage that is the same temperature as your body, it's considered to be hot or warm. But if it's slightly hotter, it burns your mouth. And nothing really ruins a meal like the taste of burnt flesh in your mouth. That's not strictly speaking true. That's not true. I'm tripping on my words. I apologize. I'm not drunk. I wish I was sometimes, but I'm not. No, what I'm saying is your own burnt flesh ruins the taste of, of food. Sometimes if you are eating burnt flesh that you've prepared for this such occasion, it's great. But you don't want to feel that, I guess you could call it like a carbony taste of your seared cheek, the inner cheek flesh. You don't want to have that, you know, dealing with that while you're trying to enjoy your pizza. And it always happens with pizza, doesn't it? Every time you eat pizza, the cheese is like a, it's like a sort of soft napalm. It's like a tacky napalm that just, just gloms onto your, the mucosa of your, of your, of your gums and your cheek flesh and just tends to ruin the rest of, ruins every meal uh, you have for several days afterwards. And then you just have that dull pain in your cheek. This is, that's actually why pizza's bad for you. It's not the uh, great amount of bread and cheese that you're eating. It's not the carbohydrate, the simple carbohydrates and all the cholesterol the animal fat that you're taking in. No, it's, uh, it's the fact that you are destroying the flesh of your mouth. What happens when you destroy the flesh of your mouth? Well, you just got to ask baseball players. They do it all the time. They, are, they chew a plant, the leaves of a plant, which they say imparts a, uh, a sort of drug, a, a slow-acting drug, directly into the mouth. But really what it's doing is it's destroying the mouth. And when you destroy the cells of your mouth, they have to reproduce. They have to compensate. But when they do it too quickly, they make a lot of mistakes in the uh, production line. They, uh, they, they mess up the code. I was about to say another word rather than mess. But then I remember that there's a psychic lasso around my neck. And if I said that, I'd be in trouble. What I'm saying, in essence, is that uh, chewable tobacco gives you oral cancer. It's true. You know, I ju- just saying the word oral, uh, I actually felt the loose tighten around my neck a little bit. Um, she's this this witch is very prudish, so prudish that you can't even really discuss some medical topics sometimes. And she's getting worse. She's a uh, she might be losing her mind. I, that's the weird thing. I could, I can, I can talk trash about her sometimes. I can, I can say negative things about her, the same way you might say about your parents, in their presence. And she seems to tolerate it. She doesn't take any overt steps against it. But if I violate her, her rules that she's given me, she gave me a list of words. She uh, she wrote it on a on a dirty old piece of paper, and slid it towards me, and then bounded away into the 
infinite recesses of that corner. And I read it, and I read it out loud, which is a mistake, because that's that was the first time I uh, felt the pain of the noose and the fear of my my head being popped off like a like a prosecco a bottle. I've made that analogy before. That uh, uh, a curse witch uh, killing a person with a psychic lasso is like a prosecco bottle being opened. I don't wish that on anybody. I don't wish that. I don't wish that on you. Uh, so if you better hope that my head doesn't pop off because she's going right to you. If that happens, just watch your mouth. Don't curse too much because she might she might see easy prey. She's a wily one. And don't look up there, too. She, she is well aware of her surroundings, even though she's slowly losing her mind. Yeah. How is that uh, beer? It's not very... Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. You know, that might have been a bad batch. Uh, the, uh, the brewer is losing his mind slowly, bit by bit. He's... It's like he's sitting on the uh, slope of a cliff and just slowly sliding down it until the, the precipice gets steeper and steeper. That's what his brain is like. Um, on the other hand, it's, it might just be an episode in his life. I, we tend to make these grand statements about the dire nature of things, not, reali- not remembering that such things happened before. Memoria preteritorum bonorum. Things always seem better back in the day, don't they? Things seem like they were less dire back then, but we tend to forget how afraid we were back then. Not to say that we shouldn't strive to preserve our lives, but, I don't know, you have to live your life, don't you, friend? Don't you? I mean, is that beer so bad? Uh, It is, huh? It just might not be your cup of tea. A lot of people don't like stouts and uh because of that they don't like imperial stouts. oh you do like stouts oh well stouts tend to vary uh quite a bit uh from variety to variety there's there's imperial stouts there's um you know zvivitz porter there's uh, those those chocolate oatmeal stouts, which I'm, I'm personally not a fan. Uh, I'm not. Well, I'm not a friend of it because it's not a person, um, and I'm not a fan of it either. I I usually like my beer to be uh, golden colored, oh, well, like a pale golden colored. Um, I'm I'm a big fan of Schlitz, which is very difficult to come by nowadays. That was a uh, more widely available when I was a child. But uh, Schlitz, you're more likely to find uh, Ballantine Ale than you are to find Schlitz. And you can't, it's hard to find Ballantine Ale anyway. A lot of these uh, beer companies, they're disappearing. And uh, you know whose fault it is? It's these guys with their little tiny breweries. They, they have these breweries that are, that are the size of vans, and they just drive from city to city. And they make what they call small batches. Which is just like a, it's the size of a, um, of a like a, a wine bottle. They just make one bottle of beer out of just this. They steal a handful of grain out of a, of a cellar, 
or out of a uh, silo rather, and they run into their their uh, disgusting little rusty van, and they make a bottle of beer out of it, and they sell that bottle for thirty dollars, and people buy it. Now, you might say that these young men are very enterprising, uh, very hardworking, that they are that they have adapted to the limitations of the industry. I say they are scoundrels. And I hope they don't become, I hope they don't lose the distinction of microbreweries because then every beer we buy is going to be $30 a bottle. Mac Adams beer, not $30 a bottle. It's $10 a small glass. I, I probably should have said that to you up front. I'm not, I'm not giving these away for free. This is, in fact, a business. I, I am selling these. Yes, I understand that you. Yeah, I know, but I need. Uh, I I bought I bought this this uh, barrel. I didn't make it myself. The, I mean, the the man that made this beer. He's he's not of this sort of uh, of this tribe of micro brewers that I've described. He is. Uh, he he makes a quite a, a great deal of this. When he raids those grain silos, he, he gets bushels of it, incredible bushels of it. And he, he goes to the grocery store and buys a, a satchel full of hops. I don't know where what, what grocery store sells hops. That's a, that's a pretty uh, fancy grocery store that caters solely to Michael, Michael Brewers. I mean, I, I, I feel like I had a friend back in the day whose name was Michael Brewer. And he he probably ended up being a microbrewer. That's not true. That's not true. Micro and Michael, they, they especially if you're if you are come from a land in which the L and the R consonant sounds are are more similar to a um, to one consonant sound. Maybe you can get those two words conflated, but not me. No, the only uh, the only excuse I have is that some computer agent is sealing my mouth shut. He he told me uh, how can I complain about this if I can't speak, and then my lips sealed together like that. It looked like uh, someone had tried to glue my mouth shut, and I was resisting it. And then there was just a uh, hastily pasted over mouth. Yeah, that. I, I, I'm just going to say that was a reference to uh, The Matrix. And you probably could have sussed that out without me telling you. But, um, yeah. So I'm guessing you don't want another glass. That's okay. I still need to charge you for that one. Yeah, yes, I do. I'm sorry. I, I know you do. I, I know. But I need to, I need to pay the rent for this place. No, I don't need to pay the rent for this place. This nobody owns this land. I need to pay the rent for my my house. Uh, there's a house that I live in that my my wife and I live in, and we need uh, we don't own that land, so we need to we need to pay the rent there. So please, ten dollars. Listen, if you, I've never done this before, but if you try to leave without paying ten dollars, I'm gonna have to call the police. It's theft. I understand, like, I I made no guarantees as to the quality of this beer. 
I said merely that other people like it and that I I enjoy a little bit. It's not my favorite, but um, I, I did not guarantee that you would enjoy it. So please, I'm, I'm sorry. I mean, listen, I don't, I don't like being aggressive with my customers at all. It's a shame to do that. But uh, I will need $10 in cash before you leave, please. Thank you. Thank you. Listen, you, since you gave me this, this $10, next time you come in and you happen to not have $10 in cash, we'll set up a tab, okay? Why? Because you came back. You've established a, uh, a rapport with me that you can be trusted and you know what, I'll tell you right now, I had no plans of calling the police at all. My cell phone's actually out of batteries. I'd have to run to the police station. I, I mean, I would have done that if you tried to flee without paying. Or I would have just, you know, looked like I was about to. Then I thought, then I think, am I doing this for $10? And nobody would know that I did that, so there'd really be no purpose for me doing that. Listen... Uh, and I, I and I know for a fact that you you had every plan on paying for it. You're just you're just busting my chops. You know what? Thank you for thank you for for being a friend. Is that that's the that's the intro to some show, isn't it? I'm sorry. I've made too many references in the short time of our meeting. And I don't need I need to stop. Alright. Well, I'll see you next time you come here. And you you are going to come here again someday. Eventually. In the in the expanse of time or the fullness of time I think is usually what people say. In the fullness of time you probably are going to come back. This is a small neighborhood and usually only locals come here. So I'll I'll see you again someday, my friend. This is uh and remember this is Jefferson Avenue Way Station. And I'll be right here when you come back. It's, as long as it's before uh, 12 o'clock at night, because I, I tend to close up at that, at that hour. All right. Well, have a good day, my friend.